Hi, and welcome to episode eight of A Tale of Two Singles. This week, we have a special guest interview with Reverend Dr. Lena Tott, who has written an entire book about singleness and the church. We were very excited to talk to her, and we really hope you're excited to listen. So, is coupledom the ultimate source of happiness? Does Jesus have anything to say about singleness? Is the church failing single people? These are just some of the questions we are about to explore. Enjoy. One, two, three, woo! It's a tale of, it's a tale of, it's a tale, it's a tale, it's a tale of two singles. I'm on. Okay. <laughs> Great. So um, this week we are back as a tale to singles for episode seven and we have got a great... Episode eight. <laughs> sorry, episode eight. Yeah. <laughs> Just so excited. But we have also got <clears throat> with us a guest this week. So we have got our first um, guest on the podcast, which we are unbelievably excited about. So today we have Reverend Dr. Lena Todd. I hope I said that right. Uh, that sounds quite official, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I suppose. Yes, who has written already one book about singleness and is writing another book about singleness and families. And we are super excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, yeah, would you like to just tell a little bit more about yourself? Oh, right. Well, so yes, Lena is my name, Lena Todd. If you are looking uh, or trying to, to identify me on the internet, you'll probably need my. Uh, previous name, which is much longer. It's a Lithuanian name. Andronoviene. That's too it's difficult. Beautiful. Isn't it? <laughs> That's too difficult. Uh, probably the easier way to identify with me would be through um, the title of the book, which was uh, Transforming the Struggles of Tamars. Oh, great title. Uh, singleness, single women and Baptist communities. But anyway, you'll, Baptistic communities, but you'll, you'll Whoever wants to look me up, that probably is the easiest. Sorry. Sorry, that's a roundabout <laughs> about my name. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Lithuania, hence my Lithuanian name. But I have been based in Scotland for the last oh, six years. <laughs> hence, apparently, my Scottish twang, you which do, people say. Have a Scottish twang. Oh, gosh. My <laughs> friends from the past find it really hilarious. I can't help it. Can, can he help it? <laughs> Just, just comes. So it's a mixture of Lithuanian and Scottish accent, and somehow my students still understand. Um, so I teach at the Scottish Baptist College. I am assistant principal there and um, cover quite a few subjects in practical theology. That's my subject, as opposed to impractical theology. <laughs> wow, amazing! It's so great to have you. It really is. I'm glad to be with you guys. Yeah, lots of people have been listening to our podcast and taking on some of our wisdom we hope but you have actual <laughs> research wisdom in this area so we're very excited mm. to pick your brain yeah we really oh. are well that makes me slightly nervous you know, when, when, when somebody speaks of wisdom but on the other hand yeah I'm quite excited to, mm. to share about uh, about the subject because I do feel it's so underrepresented mm -hmm. it's it's mm -hmm. something that especially in Christian circles people struggle to talk about and it really gets me I, I don't like it because I think it signifies much deeper issues mm -hmm. yeah. so our relationship our as in 
Christian relationship with singleness is indicative of, of, you know, some issues. That's why it's just, yeah, it doesn't work the way it should. <laughs> and that's why I want to keep talking and writing about. Great. So great. So, um, Lena, I think you have listened to some of our other previous podcasts. Uh-huh. Hopefully we've not said anything too <laughs> wacky so far. <laughs> but, um, no. <laughs> right? That's good reassurance. <laughs> but um, what we um, always do each episode is we try and address a myth around singleness and try and just talk about that, see what we think about it, what we agree, if we agree or disagree with it. So with your knowledge and research around it, we were just wondering if you have a myth around singleness that you feel needs to be addressed, or you think is the biggest myth that you've like mm. um, kind of seen through your research? Yeah, I think for the Christian context, it would definitely be the myth surrounding the happiness package, so to speak. The myth that really, with very few exceptions for most people, most believers, most Christians, most women for sure, you know, you, the greatest happiness comes in marrying and having a family. Mm. And that runs just so deep. I mean, we, we're, we're surrounded by that, which means as soon as you start learning the language, that's, that's until recently, that's the message you, you would be getting in, in all sorts of ways, mm. multiple times a day, through everything, through stories, through songs, through off-the-cuff comments. And again, if you, if you want to see how that is a reality, just listen to some of the accidental comments mm. made. You know, we don't preach about it. We know yeah. better. We know the answer is Jesus and happiness in Jesus. But actually, um, but what we actually think about, which is another interesting thing in theology, sometimes we talk about theology being our convictions, not what we say, mm-hmm. not what we claim, but what we really believe. And this is what really concerns me, mm. because we really believe that God's highest God's blessing is in marriage, mm-hmm. which now again, marriage deserves to be um, nurtured and supported. And that's that's one of the ministries of, of the church, but that's not at the center. In fact, if anything, Jesus was shocking his contemporaries because he was so perceived to be so anti-family. Mm. Um, anyway, that's that's going back to Jesus. But our, our modern world um, still is. It's mm-hmm. changing a bit in the society. But I don't know about you, I would say probably one of the toughest places to be single at the moment and to be doubted about whether you can actually be happy as a single person is in the church, mm. which is yeah. a bit ridiculous. You know, all these kind of, oh, you know, don't <laughs> worry, one day you'll find somebody. Yeah. You know, you know, what does that mean? So it's, it's, it's really interesting. And there are, you know, and there are particular uh, historical developments that, that have led us to this. Mm. This wasn't always like that. Okay. And that's quite interesting, actually, to realize how recent this, this yeah, is. Yeah, so where, where does this come from? Why... Do because I've definitely been guilty of thinking, oh, if I was married, then mm. then all these problems would be gone and I'd be happy, you know. And I know that in my head, I know that that's not true, but that is something that I think is so prevalent, especially in Christian culture. Where does that come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now again, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> but very briefly, um, one development which is quite interesting is is the medieval times, 11th and 12th century. Mm-hmm. There was a, an explosion of, well, popular piety, really. People were really excited about living their faith. So there was a lot of asceticism, a lot of wandering preachers and communes and, you know, 
people really taking their faith very seriously. Mm-hmm. Again, we just don't know. There's anyway, history is just fascinating. Um, but somewhere there, in in that context and related to to popular piety and so on, was was born um, a, a very particular way of thinking about love as courtly love. You know, mm-hmm. the knight who had his lady, usually totally unattainable. By the way, that wasn't a happy love, you know, <laughs> never ended happily. <laughs> um, but, you know, the knight would um, would basically worship the lady. And again, this was, you could see how in some ways this was a, a almost transference of, you know, godly love to, to something. Mm. It was a religion of sorts, an alternative religion. Uh, you know, addressed it addressed various needs of the people, but this is where we get all these stories, you know, of, of Tristan and Isolde and, and and Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. uh, and some real life people also who suffered, uh, suffered. That's the key term. You suffered for your love. I mean, it happened to you, and it was powerful, and there was not much you could do about it. But boy, that didn't bring you happiness. So that's the star, mm-hmm. the romantic love. But then things really change in the Victorian times. Mm-hmm. And and by that time, this romance and, and its role comes really strong and moves into marriage also. So this is where we get this idea, you know, and suddenly people start, you know, displaying happy families. It's very interesting, even in terms of how uh, the tombstones appear. We, we have a... Um, Cemetery, mm-hmm. graveyard, an old graveyard nearby here in Glasgow where we live, and it's and again you can immediately see, you know, nineteenth century. Yep, a, a very particular way of portraying family as this, hap, you know, the mm. the the kind of the, the core point of happiness, mm. uh, human yes. happiness, and if you and and if you want an example of that, of course, is the Victorian uh, novel, you know, the romance. Mm-hmm. which is still very strong it's amazing how it's sort of kept evolving you know and it's all so again we grew up with with that of course we keep reading that um so that's basically very very roughly <laughs> skipping huge <laughs> periods and and interesting developments this is what happens and suddenly we talk about falling in love mm-hmm. and enchantment and the happy ending mm-hmm. you know and and that's something that we uh, sort of expect so that that would be one thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Why do you think the church like what? Because it is a case that in the church, I think, does in some ways like really idolize ah. marriage, and mm-hmm. it is very strange. People find it very strange for you not to be married, especially if it doesn't seem on the outside that there's something completely wrong with you that means yes. you wouldn't be because <laughs> of course there has to be something wrong with yeah. you for you not to be married so why yeah. is the church you're such a nice girl yeah. why are you not married yeah. i've yeah. heard that so many times honestly um yep. why and i'm sorry <laughs> why do they grip onto it why does the church grip onto it so tightly as a myth ah uh, yeah it's again it's very interesting isn't it i think whenever we forget that we live in a culture and that in many ways yeah that Jesus's message was and still continues to be really, really countercultural and really mm. radical. In fact, shocking. If you if you read it with open eyes, it's still shocking when you read the Gospels now. And it's so easy. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget that. So what happens, I think, most of the time is that we take what we see as a cultural norm without thinking about it. Mm. And we basically, well, baptize it, I guess you could say. Uh, we, we usually, uh, we don't talk so much about happiness. We talk about God's blessing, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, God blessed me. And again, there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's very Old Testament. 
you're you're you know in some ways it's it's biblical it's very biblical but it's very much old testament in all because in old testament god works exclusively through you know generations so gener- mm-hmm. next generation has to be born therefore you need marriage the romantic love nah, you know not not that essential but um that's that's a modern development so basically i think very often uh, uh, the, the church takes that and just as i say baptizes it and and it becomes yeah an expression of god's blessing mm-hmm. um but i think again we're missing something hugely hugely important that comes across so clearly if we yeah, if we read the Gospels, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, with open eyes, because Jesus has extremely disturbing words to say about family um, mm-hmm. and marriage, in fact. <laughs> and we just don't know what to do with that. Uh, with that, you know, I have some mm-hmm. interesting quotes, you know, from people, even pastors, you know, who are squirming a bit. So, like, well, yes, Paul does say that, and yes, Jesus says that, but really, for most people, uh. so mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, it's very interesting. I don't think we're willing to embrace that vision of the kingdom of God, which changes everything, which basically becomes the primary family. You know, people who belong to that kingdom suddenly are supposed to be your brothers and sisters and mother mm. and father. And, you know, yeah. Anyway, stop me because I'll keep, <laughs> keep talking about this. Well, I, sorry, Jardine, I'm asking all the questions, but just questions keep it's popping fine. into my mind. Yeah, no, I'm just... <laughs> So you carry I on. Mean, I have two questions. One is kind of about what Jesus actually did say that was so radical, because I think we just get so used to reading it that maybe we don't realize like the context and why it is so surprising. Mm. And then my other question is, you are now married, hence your name change. You're mm. still talking about singleness. Why are you still talking about singleness? And ha- did all your problems get solved? And are you now completely happy now that you're married? Because then <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> that's why I was writing about singleness. And this this is the reason why I will, I will I will keep talking because again, it's it's one of those areas where people often somehow feel I don't know well, freedom, I guess, to mm. sort of inquire as to your personal motives. Uh, mm. I think you experience that probably. Like why why do why do you want to talk about that? Mm. You know, is, it must yeah. be a real issue for you. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. And and that's one of the reasons why I want to talk about it because I can talk. Yeah. I can talk to the church. I mean, I wouldn't dream of, of telling you guys how to live. I mean, I, I can tell you more about how, you know, wh- why certain myths for example came came mm. to be and what what's changing you know from from my from my own perspe- perspective um but who i really want to talk to is the ch- the church to, to to tell the church time and again that we need to think about this really really seriously because we're missing on the really important the century of jesus's message which was that these are my brothers and sisters and mother mm-hmm. uh, and so on and and to take church seriously as your primary family now even as they say that sorry i'm kind of going away from your question about why i keep speaking about it i think it bothers me because i don't know about you but i see so many churches that really aren't those families Mm -hmm. and i think at this point we make it really difficult for single people who would like to get married and again if you are in the church especially if you're a woman Mm -hmm. and if you're not very confident about marrying someone who does not share your faith mm. then you know again there's yeah. statistics um so so it's 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 not just that, that that we really are not helping the single people who would love 
to really take seriously the church as a single, uh, as a as a family, their primary mm. family. But also, as a church, we miss the very basis of our you know um, life together. Even if we still keep calling each other brothers and sisters, if it doesn't, if it's not translated into some kind of reality, mm. into some kind of doing life together. It, it, we're in the danger of mm. becoming, you know, a club, a Sunday club. And I think that's why I want to yes. speak about mm. it. As I say, for me, it's it's a really important issue, you know, mm-hmm. our, our approach to singleness, but it signifies something much deeper mm. and, mm-hmm. and really, really serious. So, yeah, sorry. You were asking me about Jesus and what was so radical about what he said. Yeah. Sorry, I asked you two yeah. questions. That was confusing. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I just, yeah, keep going everywhere as well. I mean, where do yeah, where do you want to start? <laughs> you know, leave your father, go follow me, mm-hmm. uh, or as I mean, as I mentioned, who, who is my um, who is my mother, mm-hmm. my father, mm-hmm. uh, and my my sorry, my brothers. There is no father, which is another interesting mm-hmm. thing. But we'll not get into that. That's that's for another day, probably. <laughs> um, and and that's as you see in a culture where. Marriage and producing children is key, mm. absolute mm-hmm. key. And then Jesus talks about eunuchs, mm-hmm. remember, who choose that way for the sake of the kingdom. Mm. And I don't think we realize what it's, 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 everything's upside down when he speaks. And then, of course, then he talks about, you know, marriage, there being no marriage in heaven. And again, it's interesting mm-hmm. how we as Christians today are often uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> which again betrays, you know, how much we've been conditioned by this, you know, myth about mm. what's, what is a bliss? Well, obviously marriage yeah. has to be part of the bliss. Well, no, there's something even better, even much better. So in, and in other words, then if we do that, the, the way Jesus puts it. Jesus does not negate marriage and family. In fact, he takes it very seriously. That's the other thing. He he basically mm. manages to anger everybody. <laughs> anger <laughs> those who want, you know, marriage to be at the center, but also he angers others who would like to have more wriggle room with um, divorce. And he says, mm. nope. And again, it's not a coincidence. He's talking about a woman who, of course, as soon as she's divorced... <laughs> is not going to have an easy life, shall we Shall we say. He says, nope, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't live like that. So he, he angers everybody. And, and that means he, for him, marriage is important, but it is part of this larger reality mm-hmm. that he calls the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Mm. And that's where his passion is. Mm. I think that... That is missed quite a bit, isn't it? It's like there's the bigger picture yeah. and like marriage is to be like, that is a great thing and to be supported and protected. But equally, it's not the only thing. That's not the only thing that's out there. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's a tendency, right, mm-hmm. to say it's like in the Black Lives Matter rallies now, people feel the need to say, all lives matter and it's like it's not mm. people saying black lives matter doesn't mean the that other lives don't matter <laughs> yeah. and the same is when we can yeah. say actually singleness is great and singleness is a gift I don't think that is then us saying mm-hmm. marriage isn't a gift I believe marriage is a gift yeah. but I can also believe the sing like it doesn't negate marriage to say mm. singleness is good and I think that sometimes the church yeah. is worried I don't know that just made me think yeah it's a very interesting parallel yeah because that, that's the other thing you see for 
well, for some reason. <laughs> I have a, I have an idea to why, but nuclear family, which again is a very new development, mm-hmm. you know, nuclear family and church have have been equated in in the minds of many mm-hmm. Christians. So as soon as you say anything, and of course. You know, marriages and nuclear families are not doing particularly well, right? So mm. anything that doesn't seem to prop it up and support is seen as attack, not just on family, but also on the church. Mm. Mm-hmm. See, which is why people don't want to talk about singleness, because mm. it, it, in the perception of of many, it weakens, you know, our mm-hmm. commitment to marriage. Which is, do you see what I mean? I'm, I I really yeah. am disturbed by by how we got into this, but it's not right. It's not right, precisely, because no. single lives really matter a lot, yeah. and they have so much to give, and they are in some ways, if if you if you will allow me one theological uh, phrase, an eschatological sign. It's a sign mm-hmm. pointing to to the reality which is beyond this one, mm-hmm. uh, as a reminder to all, and and I mean it in a very kind of down to earth sense, and I don't mean that you have to be, you know feeling that you have that gift again. I have my doubts mm-hmm. about singleness as a gift and mm-hmm. so on. Uh, I think a lot of people, that's just part of life and, and that's fine. Yeah. And the task is to live it really happily, mm-hmm. really full, to have a really fulfilled life uh, as a witness to yeah. to the transformation that Jesus's message brings to mm-hmm. to people's lives. I do think, though, that that's true and that is what we should be doing, like, regardless of where we are in life, is to take each day and live that day well and try and find joy, hope within that. But equally, I think, like you were saying, because the church really, like, puts that, like, emphasis on marriage and that being, like, the kind of the ultimate goal, that it then feels like at times as a single person, you're never actually going to be truly happy. You can't mm-hmm. ever be feeling complete because you're not complete at that point in time because of that message. And then having to like hold that feeling of maybe equally feeling like a failure, feeling like you've not necessarily, you've missed something, you're not doing something well. And that's why you're in this position because there's been a lot of, like you say, I think cultural things, things that have been passed down from generations and stuff that say actually marriage is better Mm. than being single exactly exactly if we have time i would say just one more thing if anything (laughs) it's the singles i think who stand a stronger chance to learn something about really deeper happiness Mm. um precisely because they're more often forced to ask that question. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of us in some ways should be asking, but, you know, when you have a particular routine that is sort of affirmed by society, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. easy to live in the illusion that, you know, I'm doing all right. And it's only Mm -hmm. when the crisis comes and, you know, there is, you know, some kind of perhaps tragedy or loss, then suddenly, you know, you, you don't know what to do. Whereas those who are single and perhaps those, especially those who, wrestle with that whole issue mm-hmm. I think yeah I think I know I know I'm fascinated I'm fascinated by single lives I think they yeah they're it's just such an amazing uh, yeah. thing to think about precise I mean again it's it's always limitations and always particular opportunities mm-hmm. in 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 either way of life right if you are yeah. coupled mm-hmm. there are some unique opportunities but they're also very clear limitations because mm-hmm. you know a lot of other things become impossible for you and equally 
uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a life of singlehood, um, there are certain limitations, yes. Mm-hmm. But also there are these profound um, opportunities, yeah. you know, um, that are fascinating. And, yeah, and can teach us all about, you know, real happiness or blessedness or whichever, you know, good mm-hmm. life. There are many words in which we try to describe it. So, yeah. yeah. You go, you go. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to ask if, like, if there's people listening who are struggling with being single. Oh, it's my question too. Yes. Carry on. Great. One mind. (laughs) One mind. Would you, what would be like your bit of advice or like anything to say to people who really are struggling Mm. with that right now? I mean, I would be careful, first of all. I would want to affirm them because the, you know the, the pain is real and again especially for mm. women it, it has a particular expression of course related to how our bodies work and if it's related mm-hmm. also to that longing for for um for a child it can be really really difficult so mm-hmm. first of all there's you know it's understandable secondly yeah i would i would hope that they find would find some stimulation I'm not sure if it's comfort would be the right word, but you know, in what I was saying about how actually it, it's no wonder that you feel you're missing mm-hmm. out because you've been told that time and again in so many mm-hmm. different ways. And perhaps you could, even through pain sometimes, you know, begin exploring that possibility that maybe, maybe, you know, the invitation of Jesus mm-hmm. is actually about something much bigger mm-hmm. and that question kind of fades into background. Mm. Um, and then thirdly probably just again um, I'd be careful probably how I would want to put it but for someone listening I'd want to caution them not to fall into another I don't know if it's a myth (laughs) can you fall into a myth (laughs) (laughs) if you know what I mean Um, Mm. which is that this some other person will fulfill you and and you know and and you need that other person you know and Mm. and then everything will be all right which is kind of where we started Mm. i think this is where we then witness a lot of unhappy stories Mm. because Mm -hmm. the discovery once sometimes it's way too late you know one's life's been sort of entwined together another person will not make you fulfilled Mm. and happy um, again, it's interesting, even from the social science perspective, uh, uh, it's quite interesting. Our happiness might rise when something happens that we expected would bring us no pleasure. Mm-hmm. We experience a high mm-hmm. and then it kind of returns mm-hmm. to its base level where it was before. So so just to resist that temptation, to, to assume that another person will make them whole. Mm-hmm. And this is another myth that actually you mentioned the other the other week. Um, you know the the idea that there is someone there for me, which is actually even older than medieval times. It goes all the way back to ancient Greece, mm. and one of Plato's stories he uh, writes in the Symposium of uh, uh, Aristophanes, who is a, a comic, is telling this story about how. Gods split human beings into half and how basically we all running, you know, around trying to find that missing half. Mm. I think that is a very serious myth. 
Yeah. I, I think if we believe in God, the creator of God is not as cruel <laughs> as to do yeah. that. You know, so just, just first of all to, and I wouldn't say work on yourself. Uh, that's not what it is about, but it is about, again, asking those deeper questions about the meaning of life about the invitation of Jesus and what kind of life is he inviting each one of us and us together. Mm. And somewhere there, somewhere there, joy and, yeah, happiness doesn't quite cut it, but the the fullness of life is, is, is glimpsed. And then interesting things do happen. I mean, you know, many of these stories, and maybe you know the saying, oh, as soon as you stop looking, then somebody, oh. you know, is there, pops up. Which, again, <laughs> yes and no, but in some ways it's true in a sense that at least you're not placing your, mm. or misplacing actually, your hopes. So mm. that I think this is what I would say to a single person who's struggling and, and hoping that they will, they will find, you know, these, these words encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can I, can I ask one more question? Slightly, maybe a cheeky question. <laughs> um, but obviously okay. I feel like a lot of married people for understandable reasons, don't necessarily open up about the struggles in their marriage and make out like everything's great because it's hard, like, it's hard to be vulnerable and you obviously don't want to insult your husband or wife or whatever. And, you know, there's things to work through. But obviously you publicly speak about how marriage will not complete you and make you fix all your problems, make you happy. How does your husband feel about you doing that? <laughs> very, very happy <laughs> and very supportive. Yeah, George, George would say that. But you know what? That That's back to church mm-hmm. not being a de facto family. Because if it would, mm-hmm. if you would spend time with, with us, with, with others, you know, then you, you would have a much better idea how how things are. Mm. And yes, you know, just like singleness, marriage is, is, is a combination of everything, of challenges and of amazing times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that would become clear. The problem is when we only see these happy couples on Sunday morning holding hands and again, kind of, you know, feeling they have to present a happy family, even <laughs> yeah. if there was perhaps, you know, a, a bit of a row earlier in the morning or whatever. So, so again, I think a lot of these issues would would dissipate if we were to share more of life together. So one of the things that we try to do in our own family is we we try to avoid sort of become what's coupling is one of the words. Mm-hmm. In other words, you you basically relate to other couples yeah. who kind of you know affirm in what you do. And again, it makes sense sometimes. You think, oh well, similar interests, whatever. But we're quite intentional to to you know we we don't we never count our uh, seats around the table in pairs. Mm-hmm. You know. Because mm-hmm. again, it, we want we want the richness of of the community. So, mm-hmm. in terms of age, in terms of marital status, and in, in terms of whatever. Um, and I just I, again, if if there are married people who are listening to this, I hope maybe this could be a little challenge just just to rethink who who they invite once we're able to be together yeah. uh, again yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who you know who who is invited you know for mm-hmm. for a for a dinner perhaps um and for you guys also to invite you know some married some singles and mm. just just try to because again i don't think it adds to the to the health of of the church mm-hmm. or of marriages or or you know or to the sort of sense of fulfillment and peace mm. for for singles 
Thank you so much for talking to us. We were going to make you share an embarrassing story, but Zoom has saved you because our time is oh, always up. Dear. So <laughs> we'll have yeah. to get you back. Oh, I'm glad I talked myself out of it. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And all the best to you. And I'm glad you're tackling some of these interesting, important issues. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been such a joy. Thank you. Well, that's it for episode eight of A Tale of Two Singles. Thank you for listening. We will be back with dating woes and single life successes in episode nine soon. But until then, let us know what you think about the podcast and please keep sending myths that you want us to explore and challenge in your court and chaos stories. We love them. Send everything to a tale of two singles at gmail.com. Can't wait to hear from you.